You are listening to the weekend message of Crossroads Church North Campus. Crossroads exists to make much of Jesus, and we do this by following in the way of Jesus and making disciples who love God and love others. To find out more about Crossroads, go to crossroadslive.com. Thanks for listening. Grace and peace. Good morning. So we are in John 15, 4 and 5. I'll give you a second to find that. Okay, so John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good to see you all. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Andrew. And this morning, we are concluding uh, our series, In the Foothills as in Heaven, uh, which means next week we'll be picking back up in the Gospel of Luke, where we had left off. Uh, but as we start this morning, the passage we just heard read, there's, there's a phrase that rings at the end of it that I think is so important. It says, whoever abides in me, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and in turn, he's, he's really speaking to us. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Before we can ever make much of Jesus, we must first know Jesus and know that our hope is found in him. But here Jesus is reminding us that once we know him, we never outgrow him. We never get to a point where we're like, thanks for the help, I can move on from here. Apart from him, you can do nothing. So it's vital to remain, to rest, to, do, to dwell. That's what that word abide means. I once heard someone say that the, the remain thing is the main thing, that we always remain in Jesus, for apart from him we can do nothing. And so we start there because I believe it's so vital to who we are as a church. And before we can begin to unpack and look at where God's calling us and leading us into, not just here in the foothills, but in the world beyond, we have to start in our own lives and remain in him, abide in him, to know him. And so if you've been with us for the last three weeks, you know we've been talking about who we are as a church who we're aspiring to be, where we are aiming at. And I just want to remind you, if you've missed any of those, I want to encourage you to go back because we're going to use those as reference points quite often. And so you're going to want to know what we're talking around when we talk around the values of who we are as a church. But this morning, uh, we've unpacked the, the mission. We've unpacked the foundation. We've unpacked the values. The question we have before us is now knowing who we are how do we step forward and what's our part individually? What's our part in the community, in the family of God? What's our part in the world beyond making much of Jesus together? Now, at the risk and the intention of repeating myself, and some of you are like, oh, here he goes. I'm going to do it again, okay? Where we stare, we steer. Where are we staring? We are staring at Jesus. That's our aim. We are going to pursue him. We are going to follow after him in all things. So the question is to why do we exist as a church? And I'm hoping by now some of you could say this aloud, but why we exist. Crossroad exists to make much of Jesus. 
We do this by following in the way of Jesus and making disciples who love God and love others. Again, we exist to make much of Jesus. Why? Because he is the hope of all humanity. He is the answer to everyone's question that they are searching for. He is the one that everyone needs, and he is the only name by which we can be saved. And so we exist to make much of Jesus. We do this by following in the way of Jesus, meaning that we are going to pace off him. We're going to pattern ourselves off him. We are going to live as he lived, love as he loved, and go wherever he leads. That's our aim. And we make disciples who love God and love others. This is built off of the great commission to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations. And it's built off the great commandment that Jesus took 613 laws. He summarized them in two. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so as disciples who pattern themselves after Jesus, we want to live these things out, uh, being a disciple of Jesus, but also making disciples of Jesus as we point others to him. And all of this is built off of our three foundations, the three pillars that we've talked around of being Jesus-centered. Again, he's the hope of all humanity. All that we are doing is going to point towards him. When someone says, how do I find hope in this world? We're going to say, Jesus. We're going to point everything towards him. And we're going to be a biblically rooted community. Meaning there is a lot of people uh, that define truth in a way that is self-serving. We are defining truth based on what scripture tells us. And we're going to use that as our plumb line in all things. We're going to come back to that as our guide and our way forward. We're going to be a people that are spirit-led. Meaning anyone who says yes to Jesus now has the very spirit of God residing in them. At one point, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then it was hovering in the tabernacle, in the temple, and it would show up. He would show up at various times and empower people for various moments. But then in these days, these last days, the spirit of God has been poured out into his people. That means that he resides in us. He dwells in us. He leads us. He empowers us. He equips us. He overflows through us. And as a church, We want to be a people that's attuned to what he's saying. That means that we are going to be intentional. We are going to have plans. We're going to go after where we see God leading us. But at the same time, we're going to have the antenna up to always listen. And if he shifts, we want to be a church that's nimble to go where the spirit leads. We don't want to be leading the spirit. We want the spirit leading us. And so we're a spirit-led people. Finally, that comes to our, our five values that we have been unpacking over these last three weeks. And we began with the idea that we are family, that you're not here on accident, that you are a necessary part of this church, and actually the people who are surrounding you are necessary in your life as well. That we need one another to sharpen each other, to encourage each other, to come alongside each other, to practice being the family of God coming under the headship of Jesus. We also talked around this idea that we are everyday disciples, that wherever you go, you are a disciple of Jesus, whether that's here and and the church building, or whether that's when you're out in community, when you're at school, when you're talking with your teacher, you are a disciple of Jesus if you have said yes to him wherever you are. That also means that wherever we are, we are constant learners. We never arrive. We are always looking to conform more and more to the image of Jesus. And there's always more for us to learn. There's always more love for us to grow in in the way we treat others and we interact with others. And so we are everyday disciples. And we don't get there by drifting there or hoping that that we're doing this. No, we want to be intentional. And so we are intentional as a people. That means we're going to say no to some good things so we can say yes to the best things. We're going to prioritize our time. 
Meaning we're not going to hope to engage and abide in Jesus. We're going to make that priority in our life. We're going to set up a pattern and rhythm of life that, that is fruitful in him and for him. It means that even as a church, as a, as a community, as we gather, we're going to be intentional in the things that we bring before you. Our aim isn't just to pack your schedule so full that you're always here. No, we want to bring you in, encourage you, send you out, and leave space that you can engage in your community. You can engage in your schools. You can engage in city council. You can engage in places within our community where you need to shine. Because not only are we intentional, we are in, not of. Meaning we're going to be in the world. We're not going to isolate ourselves. We're not going to bunker down. No, we're going to be in the world, but we're going to remember that we're living by a different standard, the kingdom standard, Jesus standard, his way. And so we're going to look different. At times, we're going to look weird compared to the rest of the world, and they're going to let us know it. But we're going to continue to follow after him. And we're going to treat people uh, the way that we want to be treated by following and living as Jesus lived. And to do this, it's going to mean that we need to be courageous and kind. And so that's another of our values, that we are courageous and kind, that we're willing to stand for our convictions, to stand for biblical values in public and in private. But it also means that when we communicate those things, we're going to do it with kindness. We're not going to be bullies. We're not going to be beat people up. We're not going to be, be belittling people and looking down on them. No, we're going to invite them to experience the life change that comes from knowing Jesus. Does that mean we're a bunch of pushovers? No, we'll stand firm in our convictions and our beliefs. But we don't have to succumb to the way of the world that just says the loudest person wins, the meanest person wins. We, we don't have to be that. We can show another way, and we will by being courageous and standing firm in that and being kind, showing our love. So knowing this and, and, and saying this is who we're aspiring to be, how do we make much of Jesus? And, and how I want to walk through this this morning is, is, is through three things. We're going we're gonna to take the, the global view. We're going to take a step back and we're going to get a real big view of how do we make much of Jesus in the world? How's Crossroads doing that? How can you participate in that? How can we make much, Jesus, make much of Jesus in the foothills? And then we're going to pare that down and get as simple as we can to say, how do we make much of Jesus in our lives as in heaven? Well, to, to do this best, uh, I need to nerd out with you a little bit. And for those of you who are tired of Gold Rush history, I'm sorry. Um, it's where we live. See, the, the very space that we uh, find ourselves in, the place that we call home, was, was uninhabited. There was Native Americans that were roaming around, but there was an, a big surge here until about the 1840s when the rumors and reality of gold in California led so many people uh, to head to the foothills that we now call home. One man recounted in his, his diary of pursuing gold that he had left his family, he had left his, his future job, he had left his future bride, everything to come and strike it rich, hoping for a better future than what he thought he had back in New York. The towns where we live were formed in a rush to get rich. But for all those who found gold, and many did, I mean, there's some people that really did well, there's many who simply found despair as their speculation turned into subjugation to a hope that always just seemed out of reach. Well, maybe the next claim will bear fruit. Maybe the next claim, maybe the next river will uh, yield some gold as people continue to pursue desperately seeking for something better than what they held in their hands. 
Now, some of you are sitting here not because of gold, not because you, you were pursuing something different, but because you were born here. You have been a part of this community for a long time. And I, I sit in awe, and I, and I love to hear as you talk around, like, yeah, I know my neighbor who was over here, and they, they moved here in 45, and then back over here. Like, you know everything. And, and I love that, because there's roots here. And then there's some of you that are transplants. I'll put myself in that category, that you, you moved up here at some point in your life, and, and you had a reason, Right? You had a reason for coming here. Some of it was a job. Some of it was a search for something better. Some of it was like, I'm tired of the city and I need to move where there's less people. Not because I don't like people. I just like less people, okay? Um, Then we all like less people. No, I'm just kidding. We love people. I love people. I love people. Uh, I do. I love people. I love people. I love you guys. Love you guys. Some of you moved here because you like this idea of there's, there's a little more independence up here. I got a little bit more space, a little bit more land. I can do a little bit more of what I want. But something brought you here, whether you chose to come here or you were born here. But what I want to remind you of is that no matter what has you here, you are here for so much more than just a job or because this is where you grew up. Or because you're looking for a new start or you like trees, right? Insert your reason here. I say this because if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to shine for him wherever you are. You have an intention and a purpose. And God wants to use you for his glory and your good. He has you where you are for a reason and he wants to use you. See, this is why I was struck as I was reading all these accounts of people that moved here in the early 1840s and 1850s as they were searching for something different. And there was a pastor back in New York who was watching as his entire congregation was just fleeing for California and the pursuit of something better. As someone who understands what it's like to be in a congregation where people are fleeing from California to somewhere else for something better, I understand his pain, right? But I loved how he spun this and how he, he, he saw something different. Instead of bemoaning and being like, why is another person leaving our congregation? Instead, he began to give purpose and a commission to those who were going. And these were his words in 1853. He said, arise then, my brethren. Go forth towards the setting sun and there be sure you shine. Let the light of your Christian life spread through the valleys of the Sacramento and the San Joaquin. Let it gild the Sierra Nevada's tops. Leave not your stamp in the gold and the granite, the hills and the valleys of California that crumble away, but leave it in something vastly more valuable and lasting. Go then, dearly beloved of the Lord. May it be yours to wave the banner of the cross over the El Dorado of our world. And I love this. Because this commission feels no less potent today as it did then. This reframing of you just think you're going searching for something, but actually God is going to use you to shine brightly for his kingdom and for his good. In the same way that where you are, he has you to shine brightly for his kingdom and for your good. See, as we continue to make much of Jesus in our community and beyond, this call to shine, it echoes the words that Jesus spoke in his Sermon on the Mount when he says, you're sitting on the hill. You're not to be hidden. You're to be seen. And when people see you and they see your good deeds, they'll give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But I also see in the words of Paul a reminder for us as he was speaking to the Philippian church. 
He says this in Philippians 2, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Paul was commissioning this people that that stood in a world that was twisting and and dark all around them. And he said, you're called to something different and you will shine as lights in the world. That call is still on each of us who have looked to Jesus as our Savior. That where we stand, where we are, we are called to shine as lights in a dark and dim world pointing to a hope that is greater than anything this world has to offer. And so as we look to shine, as we look to see God's kingdom come, his will be done in the foothills as in heaven, I want to share with you three areas I see God inviting us to lean into as a church. Three areas that we need to be paying attention to and three areas to join in for this next season. And I'm, I'm going to break them down in this category. I've already told you we're going to look at what does it mean to make much of Jesus in the world? What does it mean to make much of Jesus in the world as in heaven? What does it mean to make much of Jesus in the foothills as in heaven? And what does it mean to make much of Jesus in your life as in heaven? So let's begin with this first idea. We're going to zoom out and take the global perspective before we zoom in to your life. When we step back and we look at the world as a whole, it can feel pretty intimidating to make any kind of dent. We have a lot of people that want to make a change. They want to be an influencer. They want to do big things, and, and they want to revolutionize the world. And, and that can sound great, but what does that actually look like? Well, for us, we see making much of Jesus in the world as going, therefore, and making disciples of all nations. That's the the great commission that Jesus has set before us that we would proclaim this truth wherever we are across the globe. Now, some of you are like, but I'm not doing that. I'm not across the globe. But uh, if you are a part of this church and you call this place home, you, you actually are helping to do that very thing. You see, we have a whole list of global partners that are doing this. You can see their pictures right up here uh, that are doing this across the globe, from Burundi uh, to Turkey to Ghana to Ireland to Germany to across the world and, and also in India. We are all over the place. And the reason I show you these pictures is so that you can see those that we're supporting, but also when we support someone, we don't just kind of blindly pick. No, we're intentional that we want to come alongside people that are making much of Jesus, that are following Jesus and seeking to make disciples. And I could walk you through each of those people up there and what they are doing to reach places that have never been reached. That They are proclaiming the hope of Jesus in places that have never heard his name proclaimed. Some are going to rough areas where the needs are so desperate and so great. And so they're, they're gathering in kids to give them care and, and hope. But they're also discipling them and pointing them to the hope of their Savior. This, this is the people that we are supporting. This is the way in which you can participate, even if you don't think you're making a dent in the world. When you, when you give towards Crossroads, you're giving towards this. I just want you to know that because it's important to understand the people, the incredible people that you are supporting. And what I know is uh, not only do they need financial support, but they need prayer support. 
We need to be thinking of them and praying for them. And so we, we've put together this little booklet. It's just got their picture. It's got what their ministry's doing, some prayer prompts in there for you so that you can continue to pray for them. I want to encourage you to grab one of these on your way out. They're in the lobby. And keep these people in front of you. See, when we say that we're family, that means even the, the family that we send out, they're still family. and We need to be thinking of them. And so we ask that the Spirit would bring them to our minds that we can be praying for them. And when, within each of these pictures, there's all sorts of opportunities. But the opportunity I want to highlight for us, and the one that's kind of moving to the front burner for us over this next year, is in Ghana. This right here is a picture. It's actually the, the last moment when we were leaving from Ghana. And I stood back, and I just watched as the sun was setting over the school. And I just took it in. And, and as I sat there just praying, Lord, let us, let us finish what has been started. Lord, let us complete this, this project. And not because then we're done in Ghana. Oh, no, there's plenty more for us to do in Ghana. But when I say, let's finish this project, if you look at this picture of this building, you can see that that first floor is finished out. That second floor is just kind of raw materials. It's still being used, but there's no windows, there's no doors, there's no plumbing, uh, there's nothing in place. And so our aim, our intent is to finish this school. The bottom floor right now is used for dormitories. That upper floor that's unfinished is being used for the classrooms. We want to see that finished out. Now, I know instantly when I start talking around a project like this, some of you are like, okay, here comes the big ask for money. That's not my first ask. Okay, so some have already given generously towards that. We've got some reserves set aside so that we can start that project. There's going to be a moment when we're going to need your help in that way. But what do, what do I want from you right now? I want your prayers. I want us to start there. I want us to pray for uh, the priorities and the provision of what's happening there in Ghana. And what do I mean by priorities? Robert, who runs the school, does a phenomenal job. I got to see him in action. And all the different things that he's juggling to care for the 37 students that are there, making sure that they're being raised up to be sent out across all of West Africa. I mean, when you think about this school, we started it 16 years ago. And since we started this school 16 years ago, a thousand graduates have come through that program and have been sent out. Right? A thousand people planting churches, going and reaching people in hostile areas. What God is doing through this school is remarkable. And so what we don't want Robert to get bogged down in as we're trying to finish this construction project is that he forgets the task at hand or he becomes so consumed by other things that he's distracted. We want him to maintain his focus on just pouring into students. And so I'm asking you to be praying for the priorities that we're, we're continuing on with the work as we're trying to finish the work that needs to be done in the building. But we need provision. And when I say provision, what we need is we need the right contractors. We need the right laborers to come alongside. Uh, Robert currently is putting together a cost list and trying to get all the different things going. And one of the things that we're doing is we're sending Jeff Roberts to go and join him there so that Jeff can work as his right-hand man, help be a project manager of sorts. But as we look towards what's next for the school, this is our first aim is to get that building completed. And so I'd ask you just to join us in, in praying for the provision, the right people. And some of you right now are like, I want to actually do something. And that's why I started here, because this is actually doing something. When we come before the Lord and we plead with him, we, we pray and we ask him to move. It's amazing what begins to happen. And so I want us to start there praying for these priorities and the provision that God would move. But we want to see this project completed. 
As we get more details on what that's going to look like, we're going to let you know. I had a few people after first service say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in construction. I'm, I'd be willing to help and do some things. We'll take that. If you're interested in that, we, we would love to, to talk with you, to learn from you, to glean from you, uh, whatever we can. So if that's you and you're like, man, I, I, there's something here for me, pay attention to that. Don't stuff that down. God's speaking and we need all the help we can get. But what I'm asking for every one of us in this room is to begin to pray that God would provide the ways to get this done. This is just a small, small, small sample of what's happening across the globe that you're a part of. If you call Crossroads home, you are making much of Jesus across the globe. You really are. And you may not feel like it, but you are when you are contributing here because you're enabling people to go and do the work that, that is so significant. But maybe you're saying, I want to take another step and maybe I want to go on one of those trips or maybe I want to actually go and see what God's doing across the globe. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that because he might be burdening you with something that will come to fruition in a way that we didn't even know was going to happen. But I bring this, this part, making much of Jesus in the world is in heaven. We're doing it. And this is how we're doing it. But this is our priority is to see Ghana, the, the school, completed and finished. So that's, that's the global, and that feels great, and like, oh, that's awesome. Okay, so let's pare that down to just our community now. What about making much of Jesus in the foothills as in heaven? What, is, what does that look like for us? Well, if you go all the way back to 1981, there was a group of people that gathered in a living room. And they began to pray and to seek what God would have for them as a new community, a new church family. That gathering in that living room would turn into a gathering on Alta Street up in Grass Valley. And that would be the start of Crossroads Church. That church would grow and continue to make much of Jesus until in the mid-90s, they would relocate down here where we are now here at North Campus. And that community found itself at the crossroads of Grass Valley and Auburn, where we still sit strategically. And for 42 years, this church has been seeking to make much of Jesus. Now, this location in particular, I am so grateful for. And here's why. Because it's biblical. Let me tell you. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Stand at the crossroads... And look, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Where are we positioned along 49? We're right on it. People drive by this place all the time. Up and down, up and down. We are strategically located to make an incredible impact on the foothills as a whole. And this verse speaking to stand at the crossroads and look What are we trying to do? We're trying to aim people at the ancient path. You want to know where the truth is? You want to know where the life is? You want to know where the way is? You're going to turn to Jesus as we make much of him. That's what we are going to continue to be about. That's what we have been about for 42 years. To point people in the way of Jesus. That's not about to change. We're continuing on that trajectory. Now, that got us to hear. But some of you know that we often talk around two campuses, that we're not just the North Campus, but we also have a South Campus. And how did that come to be that we became a multi-site church? 
Well, in 2016, we were approached by a church at Calvary Chapel in Auburn that God had used in incredible ways, but was in a season of decline. Recognizing that they could not continue, uh, they made the hard decision to approach us, to see if we could take on their campus, bring restoration, and see how God wanted to continue to move in Auburn. And so the elders at that time voted unanimously to take on the South Campus. Many from this campus went down there to help get things started and going. Many are still there and have found home and community there as they've looked to root themselves and to help bring life and restoration back to our South Campus. And not only did we send people down, we, we invested, we sent provisions down. We, we came alongside to, to invest financially as well, bolstering what was happening at our South Campus. And what we've experienced since then is God providing, moving, refining, surprising, restoring, and aligning us to see his kingdom come, his will be done in the foothills as in heaven. Now, some of you have have been here long enough that you lived through many of the different things that we tried along the way with the two campuses. And we tried many things along the way. We learned many things along the way. But over time, we began to recognize the importance of being an intentionally local church. Now, what does that mean? It means we wanted to be a space and a place that was rooted in the community with people who were present in the community. As this took shape, we recognized the need for the pastoral team and the staff team to be present week in, week out, not rotating through. This approach enabled us to know others and be known by others so that we could live out the idea that we are family. We also saw as these two teams began to form, we saw God was calling each of our campuses to uniquely meet the needs of the communities that we reach. That is why we have the North team and we have a South team, something I am so grateful for. Because right now, Pastor Lucas is teaching at our South Campus that he does most every week alongside the team of of teachers that are down there in the same way that allows me to be here with you week in, week out alongside the other teachers that teach here so that we can know each other and be known by each other so that we can practice being family as a local church putting roots here in this community and reaching around those who are in our neighborhoods. Now as we've made this shift we really saw the beginnings of what God was making so beautifully obvious to us. Our time of stewarding South Campus was coming to an end and South Campus was beginning to stand on its own. Now let me take you back to something. Where we stare, we steer. Why do we exist? To make much of Jesus, to follow in the way of Jesus, and to make disciples who love God and love others. So our aim in all of this was not the expansion of the Crossroads brand, That's not what we were aiming to do. That was never our aim. Our aim was to be good stewards of the opportunities that God had given us for the expansion of his kingdom and to make much of Jesus. So I just want to state this as I continue talking around uh, the future launch of South Campus, that we as a church here at North Campus, we are committed to helping launch churches, plant churches, raise up church leaders, come alongside struggling churches. It's something we will continue to do because we believe in the greater kingdom. One of the things that I have so enjoyed being up here and a part of this community is that every month I get to gather with other pastors of other churches in the area. 
This coming Wednesday, you can pray for us. Uh, on Wednesday, we're gathering up at Christian Encounter, and it's actually all the churches down in Auburn and all the, the churches up in, in Nevada County. We're, we're gathering together just for a time of encouragement, prayer for each other, but to remind ourselves of what God is doing in the broader kingdom work. That is an aim of ours, that we're always keeping an eye on the broader kingdom work of what God is doing in our area. And so, as we've seen, uh, South take on life of its own, where once we were one church in two locations, we began to see that really we're two churches with one heartbeat to make much of Jesus. We believe this to be the clear and healthy next step for both campuses. And to that end, I just want to say what I see at God stirring in South Campus is beautiful. The community that's being formed there. The families that are being drawn in there. The growth that's happening there is so encouraging. Well, I can also say that what God has been continuing to build here at North Campus is beautiful. I am so excited for the days, months, and years ahead to be here with you all to see what God is going to continue to do in the foothills as in heaven. And so when you hear us talk about this, it's important that you hear what we're not talking about. We're not talking about division. What we're talking about is multiplication. God is on the move, and we want to celebrate that. So why are we talking about this now, in this season? Well, as South Campus continues to take on new life, we believe we're at a significant point in the life of both of our campuses. And we turn, as we turn towards the, the final corner and we begin to see a target in sight to launch, we want to be clear that the same movement of God and the investment of his people in praying, giving, and participating in where God is leading us is still going to be required. And to that end, we wanted to bring you all into this conversation that we're having and that we see and we're aiming towards because we want you praying alongside us as a church and actively working alongside us as we look to launch South Campus. So what's next? What what does that mean for South Campus? Well, it means we're beginning to create a pathway towards launch. We're aiming... And I'll say we're aiming ambitiously, but we we believe we're aiming accurately too for fall of 2024. We have a team, a pastoral team, and a staff team that is already down there that is shepherding and leading that space so well. We have a facility that's already functioning as a church week in, week out. We have a committed group of people who call Crossroads South home that are committed to, to walking with them in this next this next season. And so our next step, what we believe is the next big push is to move towards healthy financial independence. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, as, as I already stated, as I'm, I'm talking to you here, Lucas is, is probably just about finishing up their service down there where he has been sharing with South Campus, encouraging them. That all who call South Campus, he's encouraging them to lean in. And when I say lean in, that means invest their time, their talents, their treasure, uh, just as we have called each of you who call Crossroads home to do the same here, to invest your time, your talent, and your treasures. We need each of you. And so South Campus needs to grow on their own to stand on their own. And what I also want to be clear with is that that means that currently right now, we are continuing to invest in South Campus as North Campus. 
And the reason we're continuing to do this is because our aim is to see a healthy, sustainable church. And we want to give them an opportunity to grow and stand on their own. But there'll be a day when they are standing on their own and that investment that we've been aiming towards them will now have an opportunity to be invested in different ways in this campus. Also in future projects that we don't even know about because God hasn't revealed them yet. And some of you are like, I've got ideas. I'd like to hear them. So how do we, how do we get there? Well, I'm going to start where I told us to start in the world, with Prayer. We need your prayers for our priorities. There's a lot of details in, in moving towards this way. There's a, there's a lot of things that could get distracting along the way. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. We're going to continue to declare Jesus throughout this process as we aim towards launching South Campus. We also need provision. We need people and finances down there that are going to come along to help bolster and stand there in that community to ensure that it can stand on its own. And finally, this last one is posture. I'm going to do my best. I went down a real weird rabbit trail for a service on posture. And now you're like, what did you say? I'm probably going to say it again. Uh, I know myself. Posture. Posture is so important. Because what we want to continue to, to look towards and continue to be towards each other is an encouragement. See, right now, the way we function, we have one elder board between our two campuses. We meet twice a month. We encourage each other. We pray for each other. We pray for the needs of the two campuses that we see. We are high-fiving each other. We are rooting each other on. And that posture is not about to change. As we look towards launching South so that they stand on their own, they become their own elder board, we, we see some separation within that. We see that as a healthy separation that we will celebrate and root for them and continue to partner with them as we partner with other churches in our area. But here's what I know. No one likes a good story. Everyone likes a little dirt. And with something like that, it's true, right? And with something like this, it could be real easy to say, well, I actually know the real reason that they're doing this. What I'm telling you is the real reason we're doing this. And what I'd ask of you in that posture, if we're going to be a people that's courageous and kind, and you start to hear someone kind of spin a little tail or get a little weird or be like, you know, I think there's more to this than that, it, it's on you. If this is your family, if we're going to be courageous and kind, that means that you're going to step into that conversation and go, where did you hear that? Because I found that question alone is so clarifying when someone's like, well, I've heard. Oh, you did? Yeah, where did you, where did you hear that? Who, who said that? And they're like, well, I mean, you know, people. Yeah, no, I know. What, peop what people? Specifically, where did you get that information? Well, I don't know. I just heard rumblings. Of, oh, that sounds like something you probably shouldn't share then if you don't really know where that's coming from. That sounds like the enemy who loves to work and the dirt and the murk and all that good stuff, right? That's what it takes to be courageous and kind. But as we move towards this process, uh, I, I have to tell you, I have this, this dream, this vision of that day when they are standing on their own. And you guys, it is going to be a party as we see a multiplication of the kingdom. Because what I love to think about is that once they're standing on their own, now we've got two churches that can partner together to help other churches and raise up other leaders to send out so that we can continue to see Jesus' name glorified in the foothills as in heaven. This is the opportunity in front of us. We believe we here at North Campus are positioned to shine in our community. But that takes all of us. 
Not just those who serve on staff here. It takes each and every one of us shining where we are and always being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus. We are an outpost of the kingdom and we are going to focus our efforts on our community up and down 49 for God and for the foothills because he's called us to shine for him. This is the opportunity before us as a church. And we're going to continue to lean in to what God has for us. So you're going to hear of opportunities. And, and again, I'm, I'm saying this as, as you're hearing me. Some of you may, may be thinking, I have ideas. You know, God's always been putting this thing on my heart. Gosh, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear what God's putting on your heart. Because we're family and we need to know what God's putting on your heart so that we can function best. I mean, I think back to someone had an idea about a community gardener, a garden. I'm not a gardener. I'm like, great. We'll do a community garden. And then now I'm like, we're doing a community garden. And it's so beautiful. Because so many of you have lit up. You're like, I'm going to help here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's the body coming together in a way that was so unexpected. And it's so beautiful. This is what's in front of us. For God and for the foothills. We are positioned at the crossroads for a reason. So let's lean in and let's stand for him. Now, some of you are still thinking, well, that's, that's great. That still seems like a little unattainable for me. So let me break this down to you. How do you make much of Jesus in your life as in heaven? Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here's what I want to encourage you in your life. To see in your life as in heaven, I want you to think of one person, one place, and one practice. One person. Let's start there. As we look to this next season and your part, and again, you are vital to this community. And what you don't realize is you're not just vital to the people in this room. You're also vital to the people that you interact with. For some of the people you interact with, you are their only conduit to Jesus. You're the only bright spot in their life that is shining for him. You're the only one that can proclaim the hope that you have in him. God has you strategically placed for a reason. But sometimes that burden can feel overwhelming or like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what that looks like. And so someone once, once said this to me and it's helped me to clarify some things. Do for one what you wish you could do for many. And do for one what you wish you could do for many. I love this because when we feel like the task in front of us is so enormous that we have no way of stepping forward, it can paralyze us. But when we break it down and go, okay, here's the one thing I can do, you can start with one. One person. And so I want to make this as simple as possible. As you continue to make much of Jesus in your life, following in the way of Jesus, making disciples who love God and love others, invest in one person. Ask God to reveal one person that you come in contact with, that you can come alongside, that you can encourage, that you can walk with. Now again, some of you hear this and you're like, well, that sounds, that sounds weird. You don't have to make it weird, right? If God is giving you a person right now, you're like, oh my goodness, I think it's this person. You don't have to go up to him after service and be like, I'm going to invest in you for the rest of your life, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. Because you can just start investing in them without them even knowing. Maybe you're a mom whose kids have grown up and now they have kids of their own. 
and you're looking at some of the young moms in here who are just trying to keep their kids together, and you're like, I remember that. And I remember feeling like I wasn't getting anything right, and I just wished I had someone in my life who could come along and say, you're not alone, and I'm praying for you, and I'm with you. Do for one what you wish you could do for many. Some of you older men, wiser men in our congregation, you are waiting for someone to ask you to help. Consider this the ask. Because there are younger men that are just waiting for someone to listen to them. Now hear that last part. They are waiting for someone to listen to them. Not tell them what to do particularly, but to listen to them. You older men have wisdom. You have life experience that you can come alongside. Hey, how are you doing? I just want to walk with you. Invest. Invest in one person. And you don't even have to think, well, then who's next after this one person? Just start with one and do that well. And some of you might be feeling like, I'm at a place in life where I have nothing to give. I can't, I can't invest in anyone. Okay, let me make it a little easier for you. Pray for one person. Pray for one person that's in your community that you know is far from Jesus and just begin to pray that God would show up in their life, that he'd give you opportunities to speak hope in their life and just pray for them. Just commit to praying for them. Start there. And if you look around this room and you imagine that everyone's got one person they're investing in, that starts to multiply out pretty quick as the impact that we're making in the community around us. So start with one person. Invest in one person Pray for one person. Second thing, one place. One place. Where is a place that you can intentionally show up and use your gifts for God's kingdom? Where you can be present to people, praying for people, purposely engaging with people for the kingdom? Where you can show up and your whole intent is not to be served, but to serve. Your whole intent is to give, not to receive. What's one place that you can invest in where your prayer is simply, Lord, here as in heaven. Here as in heaven. Now when I say one place, it doesn't have to be a new place. You don't have to go find a new coffee shop that becomes your favorite coffee shop. No, start with the coffee shop you always go to. Maybe say, that's going to be my place. That for this season, I'm going to practice showing up, being in, not of. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be an everyday disciple here. And I'm going to start being family to the people here. And I'm going to get to know their name. They always know my name and my drink. And I can't even remember who they are. What if I started showing up going, hey, how's your day going? How's, you talked about this last time. How'd that go? And just encouraging the people around you. Maybe some of you in here, I know there's a lot of coaches in here. A lot of you coach your kids. That's awesome. That's a great place to invest because you're not only investing in those kids' lives, but in their parents' lives. You get an opportunity to show up and be a shining light for them as you teach life lessons on the ball field or playing basketball or whatever sport that may be. Some of you, your place may be holiday market. Just get to know the person behind the counter. You shop there every day anyway. You know, oh, I forgot this. I have to go swing by and get this. Get to know the people there and invest where you are. Just begin to practice it. And what I know happens is we practice these things. We begin to develop kind of muscle memory where suddenly we're paying attention wherever we are and we're showing up for the kingdom. But start with one. Start with one place that you're going to invest in. Last thing, one practice. One practice. 
if we're going to be a people that are intentional, and we know we're not going to drift into discipleship, we know that following Jesus, there are seasons and times where that can become stale. Like our spiritual life can become dull where we just kind of like, ah. And so one of the things I've found helpful is that I, I try a new practice. Again, not with a legalistic approach of like, I have to check this box and then Jesus is going to love me again. No. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. So how do you continue to put yourself in his path? So pick from one of these practices. These are the eight practices that we've talked around in following the way of Jesus. Some of you already asked you to do this a couple weeks ago and you're like, oh shoot, he's reminding me and I said I was going to do that and I didn't. Here's your chance again to grab hold of one of these areas and say, for this season, I'm going to lean in. For this season, I'm going to prioritize prayer. And maybe prioritizing prayer for you is not just thinking about it, but it's actually saying, you know what, I'm going to join with those who pray at 8 a.m. before service on Sundays. I'm going to start praying during service. I'm going to be available for the prayer team after service. I'm I'm going to put some skin in the game. Maybe some of you just need to sit with the word and and read and you need to join a Bible study where you can be encouraged and equipped by those around you and and chew on that. Maybe you you need to serve. Maybe you've been in a high season of just taking and you you need to give. You need to practice selflessly serving again. So because we are family, and I feel comfortable with you all, um, I'm going to give a quick commercial for ways that you can serve here. Uh, And he who has ears, let him hear. Uh, This is not the only place to serve. Some of you are already serving in communities. Some of you are doing these very things I'm talking about already. Continue on. But here's some opportunities we have within our kids. We need some more teachers, both both classes, I mean both, uh, both hours. Our youth ministry, we need, we need more leaders. We need more people investing in the next generation. Coffee shop, we could use more Sunday morning help. Maybe you've always wanted to be trained to be a barista. We'll do that for you. Food ministry, what's this about? We have someone who makes breakfast, someone. Her name's Diana. She makes breakfast for, for a lot of the team on Sunday mornings, and we could use somebody else to help with that. Maybe you love making food for people. That's your love language. We could use your help. Let us know. Worship ministry. We have incredibly talented people, but what I always know is that there's incredibly talented people who have yet to say yes to stepping into being a part of the worship team. And I know some of you are hearing that right now and you're like intimidated. You're like, no, but I'm not that good. You are good. So come tell us that you want to be a part of the team and we'll walk you through that. But we need help. We need help here. We need help up in the booth. Lots of different places. Some of you are creative and you're great with media. We need videographers. We need photographers. We want to do some creative elements, and we need help with that. And so if that's you, let us know. Prayer team. I already mentioned that, but we want to bolster up our prayer team. My, my real aim, just to, to cut to the straight, is that all of us should be the prayer team, every one of us in this church, that we would have a church-wide prayer team. But in the meantime, I'd like to build towards that. And so I need some help, because right now there's, there's a few of you, but we need more. So if you're interested in, in leaning into that. And then this last one, you'll notice that it just says young adults. This is a continual conversation that keeps bubbling up in different areas that we have a lot of young adults in our church and we need a place for them to go and to to grow together and to be challenged together, but we need help with that. We need people with a heart for that. So if that's you, if you're hearing that and you're like, oh, I was hoping he wasn't gonna say that. Well, I'm saying it. We need you, okay? And so for any one of these areas, if if you're interested in helping out, you've got that communication card right there. Go ahead and fill out, hey, I wanna help with this. I wanna learn more about what it would look like to be like this. Put your name on that, drop it in the offering box in the back. 
And in the same way, some of you might be thinking, I want to help, but what I want to help with is not, it's not up there. And so maybe, uh, maybe I've got some ideas of my own. I'd like to hear them, for real. So write those down and put those in the box. There's other areas, too, that I could go on and on about, different areas that we need help, but I just wanted to give you a quick picture of that. So how do you start small? How do you begin to make much of Jesus in your life as in heaven? One person, one place, one practice. All of this is to help you to abide in him as he abides in you. For apart from him, you can do nothing. To make much of Jesus, we have to know Jesus. We have to remain in Jesus. So abide in him and he will abide in you. And as you abide in him, your life will bear fruit. And wherever you are, you will bring the light of the kingdom in your life, in the foothills, and in the world as in heaven. So as we look towards this next season, keeping the main thing, the main thing, uh, steering where we are staring, I know we cannot get there apart from God. And I know we cannot get there without one another. So remain in him. Make much of him. Follow him, make disciples of him. Remember who we are in him because we are family. We are everyday disciples. We are intentional. We are in, not of, and we are courageous and kind. So as we live for him, may it be in the foothills as in heaven. You pray with me. Father, We thank you for your kindness. We thank you that you you rescue us and you redeem us. And Lord, I pray for any in this room who are, are listening in and they've yet to say yes to you. They know of you, but they don't truly know you and they haven't given their life to you. So God, in these moments, would each of us who is chasing after you and saying yes to you or needs to say yes to you, would we repent of the sins that keep us from you? Would you clear the hurdles in our lives that keep us from stepping forward in faith in you? Jesus, would you give us a boldness to follow after you? And would you help us to recognize that in you there is forgiveness. And it's for freedom that we have been called. So let us not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And in that freedom, may we chase after you, shining brightly for your glory and for the good of others. Jesus, you have us right where we are for a reason. So give us eyes to see. Give us a person to invest in, to pray for. Make it clear. Speak to us. Give us a place where we can just pray, Lord, here as in heaven, here as in heaven, would you break through in miraculous ways? And would you help us to remain in you by by practicing at creating rhythms of life that are in pursuit of you? Jesus, we need you. And apart from you, we can do nothing. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
as we close this morning, uh, we're going to sing a song together and then we're going to take communion together. And as we we worship, as we sing these words, I I just want to encourage you to allow God to examine your heart, to examine yourself. And ask God to reveal anything in your life that's getting in the way of him. If you need to confess, confess. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to forgive, forgive. If you need to receive forgiveness, know that he is faithful and just to forgive and he has paid your debt in full. So take these moments to abide in him, to remain in him, rest in him, and know that he will abide in you. So let's worship. As we close this morning, I want to invite you to come back tomorrow night where we just take some time and we're going to pray through these various points and just ask and seek God for what he wants to do in our community and plead with him that he would move, that there would be a turning towards him, that light would shine in this place in powerful and profound ways for his glory. And so I want to encourage you to be here. Don't don't miss it. It's going to be an important time for us as a church. 6.30 tomorrow, we'll spend some time singing together, praying together, and also eating some dessert together. So that last part might be what gets some of you, and I'm okay with that because we're family, and I get how that goes. But as we close, may we leave here making much of Jesus in all areas of our lives recognizing that we must remain in him and remembering that when we remain in him, he remains in us. And apart from him, we can do nothing. But in him, we shine. So shine for the glory of God and for the good of others. And may it be in the foothills as it is in heaven. May you know his grace and may you experience his peace. God bless you. And we'll see you tomorrow night.